Well, good morning. It is great to be here. And hello if I haven't met you yet. And welcome if you've just arrived. It is um, so cool. We had a great time last night. And what I'm doing this weekend is doing 10-minute talks. So um, I'm going to try to stick to that time. But I'm using a bit of time just telling you what I'm doing. Um, come in if you're out there. there uh, there's room to stand or there's some scattered seats. So come and fill the spots. I thought I'd just share with you an insight first, which, um, which actually may be the most significant insight of the weekend, so, so get ready. Um, it's something that I'm, I've just discovered, and it's only three words. I don't know if you've discovered this yet, but stockings under jeans. <laughs> Any, anyone else? Yeah. Seriously, I'm just like... It's, it not only keeps you warm, but it, it makes you feel like, you know, that your superhero's ready to, to burst out. They're my wife's stockings. Yeah. Uh, just get a, get a wife and you can get some stockings with it. Anyway, that has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. The question that I want to ask in this, in this short amount of time is this. You ready for it? Who are you? Do you know how to answer that question? Who are you? How do you answer when someone asks you? I, th- I think it's one of the things that I love about God, that he knows who he is. And I think of the story of Moses as he goes to the burning bushes out in the desert and God appears to him in a, in a burning bush. And God says to Moses, from this bush, go and set my people free. And Moses said, yeah, right, but like... <laughs> Who are you? Like, who, who, sent, who do I say sent me? And God responds to him. And God says, I am. He, he gives him a name, and that name describes who he is. His ultimate reality. I am, the verb to be. It's his presence. He, God knows who he is, and he communicates who he is to Moses. Who are you? When I was young, if you'd asked me, who I am, I would have said that I'm Stephen. I had a, I had a, I had a lisp, and um, not only had a lisp, but I had roticism as well, which is you can't say R. So I couldn't say R or S. So you know, I, I was Stephen, and my sisters, my sisters, were were Becca, Catherine, and Mary Ann. And, and um, you know, so I was I was brought up really polite, and whenever I answered the phone, I, I'd answer. Hello, Stephen speaking. And, um, you know, the person on the other end of the line would always say, Hello, Stephen speaking. You know, I, got, I, got, I got known as the guy with the lisp. The lisp and woticism. If you're ever feeling you know, down, you just need to cheer yourself up. Just say lisp and woticism. It's, really, it's a really fun thing to say. But I got known by this. It's so easy for us to then identify ourselves by these things in our lives that other people define us by or that, that we define ourselves by. They, they shape who we see ourselves are and then they shape the way that we live in the world. And what I want to say this morning is that this is not the way that God says that we are. He said, the world says you need to find your identity and your identity is found by what you do and what other people say about you. And God says, no, your identity isn't found. Your identity is given. When you come to him, God gives you identity. And so I just want to quickly go through, um, not just this passage, but last night I went through chapter 1. In chapter 1, Paul is saying, this is who you are in Christ. 
Have a look at verse chapter 1 if you've got your Bibles there. Verse 1, Paul says to the holy ones, the ones who are set apart for God's purposes, this is who you are. You're holy. You're a saint. Verse 3, he says, you are blessed. You are someone who is blessed in Christ. He says you are chosen in Him. This is your identity. Holy and blameless in God's sight. You're adopted as a child of God. This is who you are. He says, you are drenched with grace in Him. He says, in Him you are free and you're forgiven. He says, in verse 9, you're given access to God's mind and wisdom. He says that you're united together with, with all things in Him. You're a recipient of inheritance in Him. You're marked with the seal of the Holy Spirit. You're protected. You're authenticated. You belong to Him. This is your identity. And this is given to you in Christ. What Paul is doing here is he's saying, your identity is about being in Christ. Look at it. Blessed in Christ. Go to the next slide. Blessed in Christ. Chosen in Christ. Through Christ. Given access to his mind and with through Christ. United in him. You have an inheritance in him. Your identity becomes Christ's identity when you come to him. And then in the beginning of chapter 2, Paul says, okay, I've told you who you are. I've told you your identity. But it's important to remember where you came from. And he starts chapter 2 saying, you were dead. You were dead. That's who you used to be. He begins with who we were. And I think it is so easy for us as Christians to get stuck in who we were, dead in our transgressions and sins. Basically that's just saying dead in living ways that don't work. Yeah. In living a life in ways that don't work. That's, that's a good definition of sin, a mentor of mine said to me. It's living in a way that just doesn't work. And he says we, find, we, we I think, find it so easy to, to get stuck back in those ways. You know, when I was in my early 20s, late teens, early 20s, I really wrestled and struggled with anxiety. And I had a number of years where these feelings inside me kind of grew and developed and I didn't know what to do with them. And um, there were times where I was actually crippled. I was on my bed, didn't, didn't know what to do. My, yes, anxiety made decisions for me. It stopped me from doing things that I wanted to do. I, I, and I, I, I listened to it. I was like, I'm feeling anxious. That means that I probably can't do that today. And it began to be mine. I called it my anxiety. I can't do that because of my anxiety. It became part of who I saw myself as, as my identity, until one day I was walking down the hill from the station down to lead a youth group one Friday night. And I remember, I remember exactly where I was. And I was walking down this hill and this thought just came into my head. And it, to me, it wasn't a, a new thought. It wasn't anything that I didn't already know. But it stuck with me for some reason. And looking back, I can see that's because God was just reminding me. And the thought was just simply this. It's, you're not defined by how you feel. You're defined by what I say about you. And as I walked down that hill, I, I thought about that. And I thought, you know, I believe that. I believe that I'm defined by what God says about me, not by how I feel. The problem is that I'm living defined by how I feel, not by what God says about me. And from that point on, I decided 
I'm not living based on how I feel anymore. I'm living based on my identity in Christ. And that decision actually <coughs> opened me up to be able to get married to my wife. You know, it, 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 had, significant, <laughs> it had significant impact in, in my life going forward. God says that you have an identity in Christ. He says, yes, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. But God, but God, He intervened with His grace. He made us alive in Christ. He raised us up with Christ, seated us with Him in the heavenly realms. This is your identity. This is who you are. And we need to be reminded of that. So who are you? Do you base how you see yourself on what God says about you or based on what other people think about you, based on how many likes you got on your latest Instagram post? You know, confidence and identity are actually very closely aligned, I think. And one of the traps of something like Instagram, I love Instagram, by the way, but one of the traps is that we try to get confidence from people's approval of us there, how many likes we've had. And the problem with doing that is that when you look to other people for confidence, you don't have security. Because confidence based on approval of others is never secure. Confidence comes from a secure identity. And a secure identity is only ever given by God. You are a child of God. You are chosen by Him. You are His. Base your view on yourself on that. So who are you? You might say, look, Steve, you never told me anything new. I know that I'm a child of God. I know know this identity. I'm living in this. But when you ask me who I am, I'm I'm not sure exactly what what my purpose is, you know, what that means, living in the world. And so if that's you, look, I just want to give you one more step. And the question that I'd ask you is, what's your name? When God revealed himself to Moses, he gave him a name. He says, I am. And his name reveals who he is. He reveals himself as eternal, as as being, as presence, as reality. And... My suggestion is that a name might tell you something about what God has for you in this world. It's not always you know, going to tell you exactly what it's about, what your life's about, but it gives you some idea of where to head often. Names are very important to God in the Bible. Abraham, this man who, which means exalted father. He was a, he was a father amongst the people in his community. God comes to him and says, yeah, you're an exalted father. But I'm calling you Abraham, a father of many people, which is more than what you expected. It's a new name. The name that Saul gets, the Apostle Saul, gets changed to Paul from someone who asked of God a Hebrew name to a Roman name that means humble. And this man Paul is sent out to lay his life down for the rest of the world, not the Jews, the Gentiles. It says something about who he is. Jesus is literally the name Joshua, which means God saves. What's your name? 
Matthew John Gelding. <laughs> Matthew is a gift of Yahweh. Yeah. <laughs> is it, and doesn't that describe who he is to us? Yeah. John, God is gracious. Gelding. Oh, no, don't do that. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with castrated horses. <laughs> <laughs> but you laugh at it, but you know what happens when a horse is castrated is that it doesn't lose its power. Its power is just allowed to be used for the purposes of other people, for good. A stallion, without being castrated, is, is wild, it does what it wants. It thinks it's free, but it's not. Whereas when it becomes a gelding, it's got <laughs> purpose. It's got purpose. It's just for feeding. Amen. There you go. Don't have to go out time and reflect on that. Who are you? Here you go. Here's some questions for you to reflect on. We've got 20 minutes. We're going to be back here at 10.30. And we're going to meet here for groups in the courtyard. Take a photo. Write it down. You might have other things you want to reflect on. Don't you don't have to use these. These are just a starting point. Enjoy.